Thank you for listening to Overcomers Church International Weekly Message. We pray that you are encouraged and strengthened as you hear the Word of God. Are you all ready to receive the Word? So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to preach fast, and then we're going to pray for some people. Because the Lord told me yesterday I was going, uh, I was out in the woods and just praying, and, and uh, I had jokingly said to somebody about some kind of Christmas miracle and, the, you know, the Lord, he just has a sense of humor. And he said, I want to do some Christmas miracles tomorrow. And I said, well, praise God. And, you know, the Lord just wants to do miracles all the time. He's a miracle-working God. And so we are going to pray for some people today. And there are needs in this room. And God is going to meet those needs physically, financially, in different ways that we need to have those needs met. So I'm going to minister here for a few moments. And then we're going to have um, the prayer team that I've, I've set up for today to come up and to pray for you and minister to your needs. Does that sound like a pretty good deal? So if you listen fast, you amen hard, then we'll get through it. But listen, what I'm going to share with you is going to quicken your faith. And when you have your faith quickened, that's where things happen. Things don't just happen. It happens when you and I cooperate with what the Lord has for us. As a matter of fact, that's what I'm really going to share here for a few minutes is just about cooperating with heaven. If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 7. John chapter 7. We're going to look here at verse 38, and for those of you that maybe aren't here all the time, but this is uh, Christmas time, traditionally I don't do a Christmas message, so I'm going to keep to my tradition of not doing a traditional Christmas message, and therefore we're going to stay traditional. And I spent too much time working on that for not getting any more laughs or anything than that. All right, it really wasn't that funny, so... So John chapter 7, I was idling really just to, to get where I needed to go. John chapter 7, and we're actually going to go to verse 38. I think I said 37, but I'm going to go to John and 38. And it says that he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart, and some translations say out of his belly, out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Now, I want you to turn to Ezekiel chapter 47. And if we could have this pulled up here in verse 9, Ezekiel 47 and 9, look up here at this. It says, and it shall be that every living thing that moves wherever the rivers go will live. There will be a very great multitude of fish because these waters go there. How many of y'all know that if somebody is a fisher of men, then in a sense, we're all fish. Praise God. Some of you smell a little bit like, no, I'm just kidding. Anyways, all right, I got to work on my jokes. There will be a very great multitude of very clean smelling fish because these waters go there for they will be healed. Now, seriously, listen, they will be healed and everything will live wherever the river goes. So we just read that out of our bellies or out of our heart will flow rivers of living water. And I believe this isn't just a, a Sunday morning Christmas thing or whatever. This is a life thing that God's called us to, that out of us will flow rivers of living water. And I love how you changed the, the words to that song. And what was it? I said, don't forget that. And she wrote it down. It was God of wonders on the inside of me. 
praise God, God lives on the inside of us. He is in heaven, but he's also on the inside of us. And for us to have a revelation of where God really is and what he's really like, and the truth is, is he's broken up into three parts. God sits on the throne, Jesus is at his right hand, and the Holy Spirit dwells on the inside of us. One third of the Godhead lives on the inside of us, lives on the inside of our spirit, man. And we should know, and we should believe, and we should expect that out of us will flow rivers of living water. And everywhere the rivers flow, as it says right here, it will bring life and it will bring healing. So whatever deadness you're dealing with in your life, healing is coming to you today. Life is coming to you today. If you've got sickness in your body, you've got sickness in your family, whether it be relational or it be physical, healing is coming to you today because the rivers of the living water of God flow from the inside of me. They flow from the inside of you. We can release it and we can see life. We can see the river of God bring life into every area that we need life to, to be brought to. And see, I just, I just am so simple that I just believe what the word says. Look what it says here in John chapter 14. John chapter 14 and verse 12, it says, most assuredly, if you're reading in the original King James, it says, truly, truly, or verily, verily, I say to you. And the reason he had to say truly, truly twice is because he knew people wouldn't believe it. So he wanted to double down and really make sure that they knew that the readers knew that he was telling the truth. So truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my father. How many of y'all believe that the word of God is 100% true and inspired by him and is written for us to take and to apply to our life? Well, I got news for you. We need to take this verse and we need to go back and we need to look at it and really believe what it says. Because a lot of times how we act, and I'll include myself in that, we don't really believe, we don't even believe the works that Jesus did are going to flow through us much less greater works than what he did. And if you go and read it in context, he's talking about miracles. He's talking about the supernatural. He's talking about reaching people. He's talking about the power of God flowing. Amen. And we should have a working revelation on the inside of us that God wants to flow through us, that he wants to work through us. And what's so awesome is that we don't have to go and beg God for anything. We don't have to plead for him to pour out a spirit and to work miracles. He's already, he already wants to do it. He wants to do it more than we want to do it. And when we get an understanding that he's on the inside of us and we have the ability to cooperate with heaven, to cooperate with him and release what's on the inside of us, that's where things flow. That's where things happen. And there's a lot of times, you know, we've heard these things and it's like, well, you know, I tried to pray for so-and-so and I tried to do this and I tried and nothing happened. Well, don't quit trying. Keep doing what God said to do. I don't have it all figured out, but I do know this, that God is a good God and he's empowered us. He's given, the, he's given us the authority of heaven to release life into every single situation where there's deadness. We need to go back and believe these things. And you know, God, he never does anything without working through people. I hear, I hear these things, these sayings all the time, that it was just a sovereign move of God. And there can be a place and, and, and a time where God, you could use that. But most of the time, that's actually not accurate. Because God, he see, he's got a plan, he's got a will, he's got things that he wants to do. But he always uses people. So you could say that he has his sovereign will, but part of his sovereign will is for people to understand that they have the power and the life and the anointing of God on the inside of them. And if they will cooperate with heaven, we can see heaven's best, heaven's blessing, heaven's ability flow and work through us. 
Amen. And so if we can understand that, we're, we're going to walk in and, and, and operate in the greater level and the greater measure of what God, God wants to do. And if you go and you look in the Bible and you look at all the people that did great things, it wasn't that God just put his hand on them and said, now I'm going to have all this stuff work through you, and there was no participation on their part. They participated with God. You could go down a list. I wrote a list here. Adam. Do you know that Adam was placed in the garden and God gave him dominion over the earth, gave him dominion over the garden and over the earth? And do you know that Adam was the one that named all of the animals? Some people actually believe that the animals became whatever it was that, that Adam spoke. And I think that that possibly could be true. But at the very least, God made the animals and Adam named all the animals. That's Adam participating with God. That's man participating with God in his process. Do you know that the ark didn't build itself? That God told Noah to build an ark and for a hundred years... He, he and his family, which blows our mind, and there's a lot of people that say, oh, all that stuff was just an allegory. It didn't really happen. Look, there's great pictures that you can take out of the stories of the Old Testament and out of the Bible as a whole, but every single word of God, every single word in the Bible is God's word, and it's 100% truth. Noah really did, he and his family, for 100 years, build an ark. And how many of y'all know that people were mocking him the entire time, but he stayed with it, he kept going on, he kept preaching the truth, and after 100 years came, he was the one who wasn't a fool, and everybody else looked like a fool when they were drowning. Amen. So God uses people. He used Noah. He used Abraham. He said, I will bless you and make you a blessing, and through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And again, he used Moses. He used Joshua. He used David. He used Gideon, Samson, Paul, Peter, Timothy, John, and the list goes on of the people that God used. And those people, those human beings had to cooperate with the Lord in order for God's will to come to pass. And this is extremely important. We understand this. The reason that Jesus came, it wasn't just to come and die and pay the price. And so on Christmas, we could talk about the birth of Jesus. You realize that he spent 33 years here modeling for us what a man or a woman is supposed to do on the earth. Jesus is, the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse Three, that he being the express image of the Father. And if you look up that word express, it means that he is an exact copy of the Father. And if you want to know what God's like, all you have to do is look at Jesus. You realize that God, see, there was a problem in the human condition, and God didn't just come and just save everybody. I mean, he did through Jesus, but he did it through Jesus. He had to use a man. A lot of people don't realize this, but God set things up and, and he set things up in the garden and he gave man dominion over the earth. See, I've heard people say this before. And if you look online, you'll see all kinds of weird stuff. So I encourage you don't look online, but about, they'll call it dominion theology. And they'd be like, oh, some people believe that whole dominion theology. And you'll have people, you know, knocking it and saying, oh, they're trying to say that we're like God. Well, if you just go look at the Bible and you see what the Bible says, it says that he created, he male and female, in the image of God, put them in the garden and gave them dominion over the earth. To me, that doesn't sound like dominion theology. It sounds like dominion reality because that's the way God set things up. That's the way he did things. And so then what happened is that the enemy came in, Satan came in, he, he tripped him up, they fell into sin, and what they did is they gave their dominion, their authority 
over to the enemy. And for the time span from the fall all the way until Jesus, man essentially did not have authority over the enemy. They didn't really have authority in the earth. But Jesus came. He lived a perfect, sinless life, gave the devil no authority in his life, and conquered everything that the enemy had been conquering man with. And now Jesus has given us his authority, his ability, and it's all based on his work and not off of our work. Because see, we entered into this thing because of what Adam did, the first Adam did, and we couldn't help but to be born into sin. We just automatically were born that way. But when we got born again, you couldn't help but to be born into a righteous state. You couldn't help but to be born with all the authority, all the anointing, all the power, all the victory, and to be seated with him in heavenly places. And I know we're here, but authority, speaking in terms of authority, we are seated with Jesus at the right hand of the Father, at the place of authority. We're seated with him. And that means that we have all of the same authority that he had while he was here on this earth. So if you want to know what it's supposed to look like in terms of miracles, in terms of, of the blessing of God, in terms of whatever it is that you need, just look at Jesus. You will never, not one time, anywhere find Jesus putting sickness on anybody. You can't find it. You go and look in the scriptures. I've looked. I can't find it. There's not one place where Jesus puts sickness on anybody. You can't find a place where Jesus refused to heal anybody. Jesus went about doing good, healing all that were sick and oppressed by the devil. Why? Because that's his nature. That's who he is. He represents God fully. And do you know that we are called as agents of heaven? We are sent as ambassadors of heaven to come here and properly represent who God is and represent the kingdom of heaven. But I would, I would, I'm trying to be nice here, but by and large, the body of Christ, and I listen to how people talk and I listen to how people pray, most people do not understand that we have the authority to see things change. You know what they also don't understand is they don't understand that God is a good God. And we have a lot of, of things being mixed together where people will say, oh, God is good. And then they'll continue with, with all of, well, God allowed this to happen. And, you know, I don't understand why Grandma May died early, but that was just, you know, God's will. And I don't know why this child died, but that's just what God wanted. That's baloney. And what that speaks to the world is that God's goodness is really not how goodness should look. As a matter of fact... This is what I believe, is that Christians are the greatest cause of Gnostics. You say, what's a Gnostic? I'm going to tell you what a Gnostic is. There's two terms that are very close. One is an, an agnostic. The other one is a Gnostic. Are you all still with me? An agnostic is a person who believes that nothing is known or can be known of the existence or nature of God or of anything beyond material phenomena. A person who claims neither faith nor disbelief in God. That's an agnostic, all right? Here's a Gnostic, and this is what I believe Christians are responsible for Gnostics. Gnostics believe that the story of creation found in the Bible was a lie and that God wasn't actually the one responsible for the creation of our world, at least not directly. They claim the evidence of this comes from the imperfection, tragedy, and evil in our world. A good God could never have created it. Let me ask you something. This is rhetorical. Rhetorical? Yeah, that's right. It's rhetorical. Where did the world come up with the idea that God is a good God? From Christians, from the church. 
Where did the world come up with the idea that all of the tragedy, the suffering, the loss, the issues that are going on in this world, where did they come up with the idea that God is working as a master puppeteer, allowing and causing all of those things? Where did they come up with that? Christians, the church. So the church has taken the goodness of God and the tragedy that's in the world, and they've combined them together, and they've said, all of this is what God wanted, and he's a good God. I mean, if you just take that to a level of like, like fathering, I mean, imagine if, if I was found guilty of the things that God has been accused of, you would turn me into the authorities. I mean, if, if, you could, if, if I had a child that passed away and you could somehow prove that I was responsible for doing it, you would say he murdered his child. And if you said, well, he didn't do it, but he allowed it, you would say it was neglect. Because people get into this whole thing, well, God doesn't actually cause all of those things, but he definitely allows it. Either one speaking to a rotten, a rotten reflection of who God is. Because you're saying, well, God could change it, but he just chooses sovereignly not to. You know that the, nobody will ever, am I, am I okay? I get pretty intense about this stuff. Is everybody all right? Okay, listen to this. Nobody, human beings, will never understand God's will if they first don't know his nature and they don't know his ways. If we are going to understand God's will, we have to know his nature and we have to have his ways. And for people that don't know God's nature or his ways, end up praying things like, Lord, if it be thy will. I don't have to go pray for a sick person and, and wonder if God wants them to be healed. Jesus wouldn't die for something that he didn't want, the, that the Father didn't want to have happen in their life. I don't have to wonder when I pray for finances if God wants me to have the increase. It says that he became poor so that we through his poverty might be made rich. Even if you take Jesus totally out of the picture, you go back and you look at how God created man in the garden. He gave man everything. There wasn't any lack. He didn't create man in lack. If God wanted man to be in lack, he would have put them in the garden to fend for themselves and not have their needs met. But yet God had, he made sure all of their needs were met. As a matter of fact, he made man last and he created everything else first, made all of the provision for man and then said, here, all of this is for you. God's heart, his aim in life is for human beings, is for the human race to live and to walk in the blessing. But since things got disrupted, we live in a fallen world, but what we don't understand is that Jesus was the pattern, not only for God's goodness, God's nature, God's love, but also the pattern for how to take the authority that was, that was taken from the enemy by Jesus and now has freely been given to us. And you know what's so awesome is that the fact that we have the authority doesn't have anything to do with how holy or unholy we live. Now, I'm not advocating unholiness, but how many of y'all know we mess it up pretty bad sometimes? And you know that if we mess it up, it's not going to cause us to lose our right standing and it's not going to cause us to lose our positional authority that we have in this earth over all of the works of the devil. Why? Because we didn't do anything to earn that position. We came into it freely by grace. God gave us that. Jesus was the firstborn among many brethren. And those many brethren that would be born after him would be born just like him in the sense that, they are, that we are co Labors. We are joint heirs with Jesus. And we, when we come into the kingdom of God, we are born into what God has given us. We can't earn it. So that means if you can't earn it, 
then if you mess up, you don't lose what it is that God gave you because it all came by grace anyways. And so when the Lord was showing me this about, about if we don't understand God's nature and don't understand God's ways, that we won't understand God's will, I said, Lord, he just spoke it to my heart. It was so clear. And I said, Lord, show me this in the scripture. So Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6, let me show you this. Are you all still with me? Are you getting something out of this? Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 6. I need to turn there myself. Here we go. Matthew chapter 6. We're going to look here at verse 7. I'm in Mark chapter 6, which is similar, but is not Matthew chapter 6. Here we go. I was like, where did it go? Matthew chapter 6 and verse 7. It says, and when you pray... Do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do. Now, this is getting ready to go into what we traditionally call the Lord's Prayer, which more accurately, I like what Bill Johnson said. He said, we should call this the disciples' prayer. Because Jesus said, you pray like this. But he said, pray in this manner. And isn't it interesting that one of the most repetitious things that people do is take the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. And they go down through it. And what does he say right here? He says, and when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do. See, he was giving us a model for praying, not an actual prayer to pray, and giving us some understanding out of this model. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father... In heaven, hallowed, which is an old English, English word for just holy, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you know what starts off there that says our father? That's God's nature. That's God's character. That's who God is. When we first come into relationship with the Lord, there are many facets of who God is. He's a father. He's our He's our master, he's our savior, he's our judge, he's all kinds of things. But the very first thing we come to know God as, as is a father. Very first thing is that he is a father. And I think it's interesting that when the prodigal son returned, he didn't return to the judge sitting on his throne and saying, let me tell you about all the wrong things that you did. He returned to a father. He returned to one that was looking for him afar off who put the ring on his finger and the robe on his back and killed the fatted calf. God's nature is good. It's, a, it's loving. He is a true father. For some people, if you had a rotten dad growing up, you may, not, you may not understand this, but what a good dad looks like is one who continually presents blessing on his children that wants nothing but good and the best thing for his kids all the time. That's what a good dad actually looks like. So people have a little bit of a, of a messed up view of what God is, is really like as a father. If they had a rotten father, it could be messed up. But even if you have the best dad, it still doesn't compare to how good God is. He's nothing but a good God. Bill Johnson also said this, and I wrote it down so I wouldn't misquote it. He said, I believe God's goodness is the cornerstone of all theology. When our core value is God's goodness, everything else gets defined by it. And so we have to have this at the very core of what we think, what we believe. Everything needs to come back to the fact that God is good. He's a good, he's a good dad. He's a good God. And if you understand that, when things don't work quite right in your life, who can relate to that? You've had things not work at some times quite, quite right in your life. Usually, you know... <laughs> 
It's just saying that there's a reason everything happens. And I heard a person say, yeah, and sometimes that reason is you're a complete idiot. <laughs> How many of y'all can relate to mistakes and things you've made? It's like, yeah, that one's on me. <laughs> God gets blamed for a lot. The devil gets blamed for a lot. I, I had this, uh, this guy um, friends on Facebook with, and he had his leg amputated. He's my, about my age, and he got into some airplane accident or whatever. And he was going on about how this glorified God and God wanted him to lose the leg. And I was like, I was like, dude, that wasn't God that took your leg. And then that was the devil. And we were going back and forth and someone else interjected. And he said, actually, I'm pretty sure the doctor took your leg. And so I was like, you know what? That actually was the voice of reason. We spiritualize a lot of things that sometimes it's just life. It's the, it's the result of living in a fallen world. Sometimes it is the devil, but the bad stuff never comes from our good and heavenly loving father. Amen. And when you understand that, that becomes a part of your core foundation, who you are, then you will judge everything according to that. Then when your mom dies, when you're however 35 years old or whatever, and, and she's only, you know, 64, instead of going, well, it was just her time, bull hockey. Yeah. I need my mom. I wish my mom was here. She was a, a woman of, of great insight, a strong prophetic voice that loved her kids, that was a great leader in our family. You don't think my mom would have great benefit on the earth? And I heard people say, oh, the, the Lord just needed her in heaven. God, God didn't need her in heaven. I needed her here on the earth. That's why God gave me a mom. And look, I don't have all the reasons why she passed away early, but I do know that it wasn't God. Why? Because he's a good dad. He's a good God. You know, there was something recently, for those of you that follow Bethel, <clears throat> for those of you that follow Bethel, there was, there was a, a little baby that suddenly died, and they, they worked to raise that baby from the dead to cooperate with the Lord. And some of you look like, I just think that's crazy. I think it's crazy if you don't believe in raising from the dead. You're the crazy one. You're the goofball. Forgive me. <laughs> Jesus said, the works that I do, you will do, and even greater works than these will you do. Jesus raised a, raised a number of people from the dead. Shouldn't we at least raise the same number of people from the dead that Jesus raised from the dead? I can tell you now, it won't come, it won't happen, unless you start believing and cooperating with what heaven says you're supposed to cooperate with. And that's someone who understands God's ways. But as far as God's nature... And I loved how Bill responded to the whole thing. You can go and you can watch the video. And he said, look, we don't understand what we're doing most of the time when we come into things. We are learning. We're trying to understand things. And he said, but the deal is, is that we know God is a good and loving God. And this was not God's fault. This wasn't what God wanted. You just have to, we have to come to, and that's hard for people to hear because we have been brainwashed to believe that everything that happens is God's sovereign will. If you believe that, you have been brainwashed with, with language from hell. Because if you believe that, then you will always stay in a passive position, not really pressing in to receive and manifest what God has said for you to receive and manifest in your life. And this isn't coming from a person that walks in things perfectly, but I've seen quite a few miracles. I've seen quite a few people healed. I've seen people come out of comas. I've seen, I've seen uh, knots leave off of people's bodies right in front of my eyes when I prayed for them. I've seen backs healed. I've seen people that have had pins in their legs and couldn't move their legs start jumping up and down. I've seen all kinds of miracles. But you know what? I've also prayed for some people and they died. I don't have an answer for it, but I do know that God is good. The devil is bad and God is good. It's just as simple as that. 
Because that's a part of my core belief, I don't allow myself to be rocked when things don't happen the way that they're supposed to happen. Amen. We have to understand God's nature. He's a father first. It says our father. It didn't say our judge. It didn't say even the almighty one. It said our father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. That speaks of God's ways. If you think about a kingdom, now we would never do this, but if you could just imagine if we, if we called some other country, the United States, and said, look, we, we want uh, you to come in here and, and we want your kingdom, if you will, your nation to come in and we want all of your rules and laws to now be established in the United States of America and we're going to follow that. You know what you would be following? You'd be following their ways. So when we're saying kingdom come, your kingdom come, we're saying, God, we want your ways. We want how you think. We want how you do things, how you operate. We want that to be in manifestation now. So the way that God manifests things is that Jesus has provided it all by grace and by faith, we simply respond to it. And man, I know a lot of people that are like, well, I don't really believe the whole faith message. Well, then you really don't believe much of the Bible then, do you? I heard one old time preacher said, he said, you need to go crawl under the bed, get your Bible and don't come out until you learn something. So when people knock on the idea of believing God to learn something, that's exactly what I think. You need to go read your Bible. Don't come out till you learn something. And have I ever faith for something, believed God for something, and not seen it come to pass? Yes. But it doesn't stop me from continuing to do it because that is God's ways. So much so, over in Matthew chapter, I believe it's 17, Jesus had these lunatic, this, I mean, the disciples had this lunatic boy, it's just the way the scriptures describe it. And it said that he would fall into the fire and into the water. And the man brought his son to the disciples to cure him. They just, there was an expectancy there that if you guys pray, that something's going to happen. And they prayed for him, and he didn't get healed. So then that man brings his boy to Jesus. To Jesus. And before, here he got compassionate Jesus, before he even prayed and healed the boy and, and cast the demon out of the boy, before he even did that, he turned to his disciples and he said, you foolish, you perverse generation, how long am I going to be with you? Bring the boy to me. And of course, as the story goes, Jesus got him healed. Now imagine if I did that. Imagine that you had somebody out in your, your place of work or whatever, and you prayed for him and you didn't see him healed. And you brought him in here, and before I even prayed for him, I turned to you and said, you faithless, you perverse person, you. I mean, just imagine that. You probably wouldn't be coming here anymore, would probably be my guess. Culturally a little bit different. And I'm not saying that that's, that's what we should do, although Jesus did do it, didn't he? But there was an expectation there because that was the ways of God. It is the ways of God. Jesus manifested, and he he gave us a perfect representation of how the kingdom of God works. Those are God's ways. You know what man's ways are? Let me tell you what man's ways are. To do some kind of spiritual prayer and say, Lord, we just, oh, we just, oh, we hope that they just get touched and, mm, and, and be ye warmed and filled and send them on their way and not get results. That's man's ways. But God has given us the power of God, the anointing of God. His spirit lives on the inside of us. And rivers of living water from the Spirit of God will flow from us. And everywhere that river touches, people are healed and it brings life. 
You realize that it says in the beginning that the Spirit of God ho- hovered over the, the, the waters? <laughs> I don't exactly know what that means, but it sounds pretty awesome. In the same Spirit that hovered over the waters raised Jesus from the dead and also lives on the inside of us. We just, we don't even, we don't even know. We don't even have a revelation of it. Maybe this much. The same spirit that worked to raise Jesus from the dead. The greatest miracle that ever happened. You know why? It's because all the prophecies that had been told that if Jesus had been raised from the dead, it was over for the devil. You can bet that he had every single demonic spirit, Satan himself, everything was there to try and stop Jesus from being raised from the dead. But it was no match for the spirit of God. That same spirit lives on the inside of you and on the inside of me. Man, power packed. Hallelujah. Those are the ways of God. And if you understand the, the nature of God and the ways of God, and this here, it says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You don't have to wonder what God's will is. Look in heaven. You know, people, people will, I'm really trying not to be hard on people. You know, I told Liz yesterday, I said, I'm not hard on people. I'm hard on religion. I'm hard on wrong, goofy doctrine and teaching that leaves people in a place of not having victory in their life. That's what I'm hard on. And people will just talk about the same people that will go, oh, they don't have any more sickness in heaven. They've been set free from their burden. Praise God for that. My mom is now living with zero issues in her body, and thank God for it. But the same people that will say that will take a prayer like this, and they won't really believe on earth as it is in heaven. If we believe there's no sickness in heaven, why shouldn't we believe according to our Father, His nature, in his kingdom, his ways. Why would we not believe that he wants to do it for us here and now? We'd be fool not to believe that. Amen. Man. Cooperating with heaven is an awesome opportunity for us. Awesome opportunity. This is an awesome place to be able to cooperate with heaven in. This is an awesome place for us to practice. This is an awesome place for us to lay hands on the sick and actually see them recover. And some people, you know, I've heard people say, well, I just don't know if that'll happen. It probably won't happen for you. (laughs) Don't worry. But for ones who are willing to step out, see, somebody's got to pioneer this thing in your family, in your your home. Somebody's got to be willing to step out. And see, you can get out of balance with this whole thing. I meet, I meet grace people that they're so into the nature and the character of God. It's just, God loves me, God loves me, God loves me, God loves me, God loves me. And then they get so far into it that it's like, oh, it's all by the grace of God. And then they completely leave the ways of God out. They completely leave that the fact that you take the word, you take faith, you speak it, you believe it, and you cooperate with heaven. And then you got people on the other ditch that are, are so into the ways. And it's like, you got to pray and you got to speak and you got to confess a thousand times, a hundred times, whatever it is. And they're so into the, to the work part of it, the ways of God, they completely leave out the fact that it was all given to us freely by grace. 
So really what this is, is this is an understanding of the balance between grace and faith. Grace is what God does. Faith is what we do. And if we can just understand that it was all given to us by grace and we simply respond in faith, that's when miracles happen. I would not believe that except for the fact that I've already believed it and it's worked. I've seen it work too many times. Just what Denise was talking about. She just put it in a little bit different language, but it's the exact same thing. There was a problem. There was a need. She took it to her heavenly father, also her judge, which is a, a different thing for a different time. And, and she took what was rightfully hers as a child of God, went into the courtroom of heaven, cooperated in faith, and saw manifestation. There's no way that you could, you could listen to that and say, oh, that was a coincidence. She hadn't heard from people for years, and on her birthday, on her birthday. I bet they were thinking the day before I'll call, and the Lord was like, no, no, we're going to do it on her birthday just to show her how special she really is to me. Called her on her birthday and hadn't heard from years. That is how grace and faith works to manifest what we need right here, right here on earth as it is in heaven. There's no broken relationships in heaven. Everything's restored. Everything's wonderful. Everything's neat. Everything's awesome. Heaven is full of wonder and bliss and health and everything that we could ever want. And do you realize that Jesus came to give us heaven on earth? That Jesus came with, you know, it says that the Adam and Eve couldn't eat of the tree. They were forbidden to eat from the tree of life and live forever. Well, Jesus came with the tree of life so that we could eat and live and have life here on this earth. It's not just an everlasting thing. It's not just to be saved. He bled eight times. Eight times he bled. Only one of those times had to do with you and I going to heaven. The other seven times had to do with us manifesting, walking in the fullness of what God has for us to walk in here on this earth. Amen. Hallelujah. How about we have a little show and tell here. I told you and now we're going to show you. Does that sound pretty good? God's interested in doing that. He's more interested than you are in doing that. And even if you say, well, I just don't really believe, I'm going to recant what I said earlier. It's going to happen for you anyways. You can just hitch a ride on my faith and we're going to see how this works. Amen. Thank you for listening to the weekly message. To find out more about Overcomers Church International and to hear more messages like this one, please visit our website at ociperryville.com.